Hello, this is Coming to the Mat, podcast from the Melanesian Women Today Impact Service Series. Told through the lens of everyday, ordinary Pacific Island women, the Mat series seeks to break cultural barriers and invite listeners to hear real human stories of making a difference. The stories you will hear from the series balance diverse interests and weave together the story of courageous women who dedicate their lives to making a difference in their communities and country. Coming to the Mat series is a safe space that allows for women in the Pacific to use their voices. It also explores the integral aspects of women's lives all across the South Pacific and gives the listener a window into the many different issues women face through storytelling. everybody and welcome to Coming to the Mat 2024. It's so nice to be back on the mat and talking to you and um, we have a very nice program for you today and we are going to be talking about mental health but particularly that particular field of you know mental health and it is called psychology and then if you break it down a little bit more it's look looks more into clinical psychology and that is the person who helps people or us all of us with any issues to do with mental health okay so in today's episode we are going to be talking to a student who is currently studying um, to become a clinical psychologist and her name is Gabriel Tor so on our Pacific Diaspora Spotlight, we like to talk to our young and upcoming specialists or young and upcoming um, inspirational leaders who are doing wonderful work in their own field uh, of, of uh, study. And so Gabriel is a, uh, at the moment, a student uh, who is pursuing her master's degree in applied clinical psychology at Pacific University and that is in the state of Oregon in the United States. So as we join uh, her on this on this journey, we will learn more about her passion and what got into her into this field, particularly her uh, master's degree that she's pursuing, currently pursuing right now in her thesis, looking at supporting victims of domestic violence and uh, more so her mission is to enhance diversity consideration in this space of psychology care. So clinical psychology, um, it is a field that helps people, a field of study that helps people with mental health issues. And so to become a clinical psychologist, you typically need a bachelor's degree and also a master's degree. And then you can go furthermore by doing a PhD or also what we call as a PSYD. And so what does it entail? Well, the educational background for that includes a lot of training, often in the form of internships. And obviously, you have to have a license um, to practice. So clinical psychologists work in places like the hospitals and sometimes in private practices. They often go on and have their own private, private practices and then in order to help individuals cope with mental health challenges. 
They may also specialize in areas like child psychology or uh, forensic psychology. But all in all, um, studying clinical psychology all involves a lot of uh, psychological theories and research methods and practical skills to assess, assist people with mental health concerns. So Gabriel um, holds a bachelor's degree in psychological science and is currently um, doing her master's degree. I think it's, she's almost done in applied clinical psychology. And we will hear more from her, obviously, at the Pacific University in Oregon, where she focuses, her thesis focuses mainly on treating victims of domestic violence and helping them process that trauma that they've been through and then move more towards a, you know, more healing or independent uh, well-being and healing again. And a lot of her study also focuses on diversity and how we can improve care for clients of minorities in the United States of America. So every month we bring you a story that focuses on you know, someone living outside of the Pacific. And we um, like to bring those to you for an inspiration, but also to, to gain an understanding of some of the fields that um, our people are doing uh, outside, in the Pacific, outside from the Pacific. And it's always good to know that um, our young people like Gabriel, who are up and coming leaders in the field of, uh, you know, clinical psychology, uh, psychology, um, that's a really good thing to know. So she will talk to us a little bit about that and her passion and what led her to pursue this uh, particular field. So thank you again for uh, coming to the mat and listening. And I just want to thank Radio Vanuatu for always airing our stories, which we always appreciated on uh, Melanesian Women Today. It's always a privilege to, to have wonderful networks. So we hope you enjoy our discussion for today and um, stay blessed. Okay, so thank you again for coming to the mat with me, your host, Dr. Mary Tarisovic. Enjoy. Today we are going to be talking to Gabrielle and um, she is going to be talking about what her study is on, her master's degree. She's doing a thesis and she's going to tell us about what um, is it that she's studying and how is she going to use that um, study to help other people. And so I'm going to just let her introduce herself. And then I'm going to ask her some wonderful questions. So 
Thank you so much, Gabby, for coming to the mat and talking to us on the mat, historian, and talk a little bit about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what is it that you're studying for your master's degree? Yeah, um, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Gabrielle Tor. Um, I'm 24. Um, I currently have a bachelor's in um, psychological science and I'm working towards earning my master's um, in applied clinical psychology. And um, my studies particularly focus on um, treating victims of domestic violence, um, helping them process that trauma and um, move towards uh, independence and healing again. Um, and I focus a lot of my studies also on diversity and how we can improve care for um, clients from minority identities uh, in the United States. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds wonderful. So can you tell us a little bit about your background from your connection to Vanuatu? Yes. Um, well, um, my father, Eddie, uh, is from Mumbai and my mom, um, my mom's parents were missionaries um, with Joy Bible Institute. Um, and um, after they married, my dad immigrated here. Um, and um, and then I was born in Oregon. And so um, I, um, I grew up uh, hearing about Vanuatu and um, um, having visits from my grandmother, um, my sister and I both constantly hearing stories about Vanuatu mm. and mm. what it's like. And uh, we've been able to visit a few times, which is, or excuse me, a couple of times, mm -hmm. which has been really amazing. Um, and I, 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 for the longest time growing up, mm. I thought that um, every family was like ours in the United States. Um, I thought that it was for, it was completely typical um, that I my parents were different races and one of them wasn't American. Um, and at least um, didn't have citizenship here. Um, right. I thought that was completely normal. And then slowly realizing that it wasn't. Mm. Um, growing up, I just became more passionate about um I'm bringing visibility to Pacific Islander communities in the states mm -hmm. um because there isn't a lot that um Americans know about the, the South Pacific mm -hmm. um at all yeah. which yeah has constantly surprised me <laughs> yeah yeah so is that what led you into the study, the area, the focus that you are currently doing right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of my intent to study um, how and research how we can improve care for um, clients from diverse backgrounds just comes from personal experience, mm -hmm. um, comes from... Um, just the desire to see people like me and my family members thought of mm -hmm. um, rather than being sort of swept under um, swept under the excuse of, oh, well, there's not enough 
of these kinds of people to to in here right. to justify mm. um specialized research mm. um, yeah that that never sat right with me um and it's only really now as I'm earning my master's um, that I've felt like I've had the space and the support mm-hmm. to um to pursue that to like try to put something forward for that mm, that's wonderful and I understand that your ambition to eventually ultimately go into a um, PhD program of psychology is that is that what you're hoping yeah well that's that's really good and become a clinical psychologist mm-hmm so yes. can you can you before we go into our questions, can you explain to the people what is a clinical psychologist and what is their job? Yes, um, clinical psychologists um, are basically the um, doctors for the mind and brain who are able to um, give assessments to people, um, assess them for different. Um, disorders Mm. Um, so anything from personality disorders um to um say like a learning disorder um it really depends on the specialty um and i and um, aside from that clinical psychologists um are also the highest ranked in their field for uh for research uh, for being like head like head researcher Mm. um putting forward ideas for things like that Mm -hmm. um so I want to be able to do both of those things. Yeah. So you're focusing to fill in those gaps, particularly in the area of those underrepresented in that particular area. And you, this is not just in the United States, but then you're expanding that into the South Pacific, particularly looking at Vanuatu. So I guess I will start my first question is, what inspired your focus on helping victims of domestic violence and considering diversity in care? I didn't realize when I started my master's that that was something that I wanted to focus on at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my going into my master's um, program, it gave me the opportunity to come home to um, to my hometown. And it gave me the opportunity to work and give back to my own community and um and so then I was presented with the opportunity to work at um a place that is meant solely to uplift survivors of domestic violence and uh, help them regain independence um and feel empowered again and that was something that I was really passionate about for bringing to um, my community like the community Mm. that I grew up in in Oregon Mm. um yeah (laughs) okay so that's kind of the where the inspiration came from and how long how long have you been part of that uh, group or being able to help um only a few months now um but uh, before that uh, I was able to work as um, like a behavioral technician for um a program for children who were um, victims of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So that was straight out, straight out of my undergrad. Um, and so I think those two things combined, those two experiences combined really 
um, drove mm. drove that for me. But it also helps to have a mom who <laughs> tell us a little bit about your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us a little bit what your mom does and you know her background as well, because I think that also helps you and you being from a bi- you know biracial family that allows for that help in discussions for a young person to not just experience but watch and, and decide what sort of career you want to go into absolutely um yes my my mother is um a nurse practitioner um in oncology um i watched her as I was growing up uh, I watched her earn her doctorate um in um, and become a nurse practitioner which had been like her lifelong dream Mm -hmm. and that was definitely um a that was definitely my main inspiration Mm -hmm. um for wanting to pursue higher education myself yeah Mm -hmm. um it it was because I grew up with this this example seeing what the work um and what it takes um, and seeing not only that, okay, it's difficult, but it's absolutely possible. Mm. Um, she was able to um, to continue working as a nurse while go, going to classes and clinical rotations and raising me and my sister. And um, yeah, it was, yeah, I definitely credit her as um, <laughs> one of my main inspirations yeah. for wanting to pursue a doctorate myself. Oh, thank you. Thank you for acknowledging your mom and your dad because that's always very important for kids uh, in the diaspora uh, because they do give you a stand or or some foundation to to go from because it is hard being a biracial kid in the United States uh, trying to find that identity and also trying to figure out where you fit in Um, that's that's something that it's uh, inspired me also to start this particular program to talk to kids in the diaspora and so to hear their voices. I mean, obviously, adults now. Um, and it's a wonderful thing to, to, it's a way to give back to our communities, not just here in the United States, but also in, in, in the Pacific and particularly in Vanuatu. And so how do you plan to address the gaps in caring for minority groups in America, American psychology practice? I think that the first step is um, furthering research. Um, My poster presentation um, at the American Behavioral and and, um, Cognitive Therapy Convention um, over the weekend was all about just advocating Mm -hmm. for um, Pacific Islanders um, and trying and showing this is why we have to invest Mm -hmm. in detailed research um, about how to improve care for Pacific Islanders because mm-hmm. there is the truth is, is that there isn't enough research mm-hmm. um, to um, provide nuanced care for Pacific Islanders. There are so much cultural um, so much cultural difference, so much information um, out there that isn't written down, isn't um, some isn't something that um, American psychologists or people in the psych profession are able to study because the literature just isn't there. Yeah. Um, when I did um, when I did a literature review for this last project, um, as well as some other 
um, small school projects about Pacific Islander clients um, and the and the considerations that American psycholo psychology professionals should have for them. Hmm. Um, almost all of the research that I could find was out of um, was out of Australia or New Zealand or mm -hmm. um, the University of the South Pacific, um, which does make sense, but um, it was shocking to see yeah. mm -hmm. the lack of American institutions um, that would dedicate time and space mm -hmm. to Pacific Islander populations. Yeah. Did you find, um, you know, kind of a side um, question to this main question did you find that the literature review were there anything during the COVID um because that's the kind of thing where they started to realize like especially Pacific Islanders during the COVID time that they did not want to get shots because they're afraid um to and, and it was really hard to reach them in terms of like making them aware that this is very important did did you find anything there or was this nothing at all it was nothing at all um mm -hmm. if i'm being honest um yeah i um the the most that um the most common themes that i could find with literature review were um acknowledging the differences in culture um uh, where between individualism and collectivism um mm. and also um, the effects of climate change um and um how cl um increasing climate disasters um affect the mental health of pacific island popula uh, populations that's um, here but, in the united states so with those literature from the pacific uh, like australia new zealand and australia new zealand uh, yeah the pacific interesting mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing from Hawaii? Um, not that I could find, no. Wow. Um there were a few um studies that I could find about collectivism mm. um in um native Hawaiian populations. Um, but again, they were um there were few. Yeah, um, a few. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you um ex tell us a little bit about your presentation during the weekend? Or was it on Friday? Was it yesterday? Uh, Friday, yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. So, uh, um, Friday, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I did a um a poster um just detailing um what I found from a literature review um that we were discussing, mm -hmm. uh, as well as um some details from a conversation that I was able to have with uh, Dr. Obed in Vanuatu. Mm -hmm. Um with that just it I wanted something to acknowledge that um there are a lot of things that are um that are affecting Pacific Island populations, whether it's um transgenerational trauma, um whether uh, or um or climate change and um just um the process of um of immigrating to a new country and speaking a different language and having to try to fit into um, a culture like the United States, um, that all of these things are happening for um, for Pacific Islanders mm -hmm. and and um, uh, American clinicians don't have the material perhaps to mm -hmm. be able to treat them effectively. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So that's really, um, really interesting because you're talking about health, but then you also talk about, you know, the violence, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like the trauma and that, and then you, you know, the domestic violence and then, the, you know, that happens between partner um, and then you have the children that affects the children. Mm-hmm. So it is a very wide, a very wide topic, you know, a very wide area to look to look at. Um, and then when you look at, say, for instance, like for a couple to go for counseling, there is no like, but, you know, to couple who's, say, for instance, one's the husband is white and the wife is Pacific Islander. So there you are, you're in front of, uh, I'm just kind of painting this scenario. You're in front of a, a white counselor who's never really had any experience or maybe have had some sort of, say, um, experience living in Africa, for instance, uh, one of the countries in Africa, and then trying to counsel you or counsel the couple from that uh, context. And it just doesn't doesn't fit. Like you said, the nuances of all of these different things that happens. So it is interesting that it's only direct to one set of group of people rather than, you know, I mean, not just Pacific Islander, but the United States is a melting pot of so much diversity uh, of people. So that's that's a huge gap to think about if you the literature review is very limited. And um, yeah, so that's it's a. Uh, it's exciting, but it's also probably for you very, uh, I mean, how do you feel? Like just kind of looking at this and going, oh my goodness, because you can put yourself in it too. It's like, I am not in this thing. <laughs> yeah, it is It is frustrating sometimes. Um, and it is definitely exciting, um, like you said, to to be able to contribute to my field in this way but it is also definitely there are moments of frustration frustrating. Um, yes um when I was reading about this um for some preliminary work um for I remember and I remember this growing up and so does my younger sister um Mm. when we would have to um like take tests or surveys or do applications for colleges for the longest time um when they asked you to identify an ethnicity or a race, the only option that would like fit would that would like fit us best would be Asian American slash Pacific Islander. Right. And I remember that just being so frustrating because uh, growing up, um, and that option is less common now. Nowadays, they've separated mm-hmm. Asian American from Pacific Islander. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember growing up and being like, "Why can't we have our own category?" Yeah. <laughs> why um and then reading as an adult that the reason why was because they justified it by or research communities justified it by saying that there well there aren't enough pacific islanders in the united states to make them their own sample (laughs) and (laughs) the regions are are, i mean come on so yeah (laughs) this is hawaii (laughs) duh exactly (laughs) And I also remember as, American um, Samoa, Hawaii, Guam. I mean, come on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the lack of information is astounding. Yeah. Um, I I actually I had this conversation with someone that uh, I was able to speak with my uh, 
excuse me, I was able to speak about my research with at the conference. Um, he was a researcher from North Carolina um, and he was asking me about my project and um, and we had a whole conversation remarking on the fact that it's astounding that when you consider the amount of history that the United States has in the Pacific Islands, whether it be military, uh, the territories or otherwise, um, and compare it to the complete lack of education that the average American has about the Pacific Islands. Yep. It's really incredible. Yeah, um, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very sad, to mm-hmm. be frank. It is, uh, and it goes right across to our diplomacy, our foreign mm-hmm. diplomacy. Not, not very impressive. So I'm glad you're doing this work. <laughs> I mean, in a way, I mean, it is, it is, uh, you know, something to contribute and let's, you know, keep, keep working at it. Um, what drives your interest in supporting individuals from uh, non, non-American backgrounds, especially Pacific Islanders? I mean, of course we speak a lot of it, but think about like one particular thing that just kind of like pull your heartstring. Mm. Do you see your Do you see your dad in a different light? I think that absolutely. My my dad being non American mm-hmm. um, and growing up in that circumstance was what drove mm-hmm. a lot of the inspiration for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, because. Um, my dad was, um, I finally got him to apply for American citizenship and he was granted it um, um, a little while ago. Yes, um, but I remember that that was a huge gap in experience between me and my friends whose um, families were uh, were all American citizens growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, that they just didn't understand Mm-hmm. um the difference in dynamic um mm-hmm. I mean I was I I mean my dad had always said oh I'll apply for citizenship one of these days yeah. you know um but then some definitely some very scary things started happening in the mm-hmm. in the White House mm-hmm. um and um uh, I got to thinking and I was like okay it's not funny anymore mm-hmm. we have to we have we have to because it is because I just remember being so angry mm-hmm. that my dad had lived and worked in the United States for mm-hmm. almost for over 25 years, right. raised a family, worked, paid mm-hmm. taxes, mm-hmm. but wasn't given the right mm-hmm. to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lack of representation is just so stark there. Right. Um, so yeah, having that experience definitely drove my passion for mm-hmm. pushing for representation for non-American mm-hmm. people because that is, I think... Um, and also Melanesian people because yes. we, we know more about Polynesians, but mm-hmm. Melanesian and Micronesians tend to be, you know, kind of on the side... Mm-hmm. We just use them for a military basis in some sort. Mm-hmm. And think about them as this long distance or never really know much about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but one of the deciding 
um, factors for this last project that I did um, for my presentation last weekend was um, I had to, I took a class about uh, uh, different cultures and diversity um, for my master's mm. um, this last year. And I was given the opportunity to do a presentation on um, a, a minority population. And so of course I chose Pacific Islanders. Mm. Um, and I put up this map of mm. the South Pacific that um, showed the different regions, Polynesia, Micronesia, Melanesia. Mm. Um, and just the amount of questions that I fielded <laughs> from my fellow students about, <laughs> I didn't know those two, those other regions existed. <laughs> I didn't know that those countries were there. I, yeah. I did I just, like, okay. did I just think it's a big ball of water and that's about yes. <laughs> I mean so how will you your master's experience guide your PhD in pursuit in psychology my master's um earning my master's has um definitely it's definitely um changed my perspective on the kind of clinician that I want to be mm. um after is it because is it because you you're learning a lot more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yes my um earning my bachelor's um it was all uh, I mean I learned so much but it was all classroom yeah it was all lecture halls and um no field experience but with my master's I have I've been able to get lots of field experience and yeah oh and hone um the kind of clinician that I want to be. I mean, my goodness, I, I, when I was coming out of earning my bachelor's, I thought I was thinking to myself, I don't want to be a researcher. I just want to be a clinician. I don't have any ideas for contributing to research. <laughs> That's not what I want to do. Um, but being able, but coming into this program, um, mm -hmm. I obviously was able to figure out no this is what I want to contribute I think this is what I'm supposed to do um yeah and being being able to realize that um there's a there's a story that hasn't been told right um, right mm -hmm. I often tell because I I do mentor some of the um graduate students from different universities in the U.S. but mm -hmm. I think one of the things that kind of aha moment for a lot of the students so the clicks it's that that I always say that you take all the information from you what you've learned and to me it's important through that process of synthesizing those information into practice because mm -hmm. it the connection you know it makes that connection it becomes real it becomes tangible to to you as a as a learner and then you realize like wow so that means there's a big, huge gap here that's never been tapped into that is just fascinating. And it's, you know, and you're driven to to know more about that. So I think that that putting those two together, it's it's a beautiful marriage of um not just learning knowledge, but also applying it from experiences and listening to the stories of the people and their experience that gives it gives more nuances to it. And context and it makes more sense than just talking about something that doesn't make any sense at all <laughs> just because yes. yeah 
So that's 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 very um interesting. So how did you were able to connect this to Dr. Jimmy up at in Vanuatu? So how did how did that connection come about? Yes. Um at the beginning of the year, I can't remember exactly when, um, but my my mom puts on uh VBTC, um, like the the news broadcasts in the mornings. Yeah. Um and um we listened to the segments uh, for different stories on YouTube. And uh, he was on, he was speaking about um, mental health. Rise, yes. Mental health mm-hmm. and specifically the rise of suicidality oh. in um, teenagers in Vanuatu, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was so, it was so exciting to me to see, um, to see an event um, mm-hmm. talking about this kind of thing. And, um and we had already known that we were going to go to Vanuatu um in the summertime and so we so we decided well we should try to reach out to him and like meet um which didn't end up happening um too um too much went on while we were there and uh, we got too busy but um when I decided that I wanted to do this project um I really really wanted to get uh Dr. Oba's perspective on it Mm -hmm. um and so Mm -hmm. I was able to reach out and um, through um, through my dad, and um, he was kind enough to um, meet with me and talk about um, what and talk with me about what he thinks um, Western Western clinicians don't know about the mm-hmm. about Pacific Islanders that that's critical, mm-hmm. um, and how care can be more considerate for Pacific Islanders and it was a really cool conversation yeah yeah I think he's the first and only what is he now I can't remember is it a psychologist psychiatrist so psychiatrist Mm -hmm. the only one right yes Mm -hmm. wow yes can you imagine 83 islands and you're the only psychiatrist yeah it's a lot of work we had him um one time I think uh a couple of doctors they talked about um, self-care, taking care of yourself and how to ask for help. So that was very nice. They all kind of came together and did a little bit of program with us. But yeah, it's uh, that's good. So are you are you planning on presenting with them as well or to them? Um, I'm not sure yet. Um, okay. To see how things play out. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, well, that would be really nice to take your, you know, your knowledge and, and and help out in some ways, hopefully yeah. soon in Vanuatu because we do need that. Um, a lot of I, I know that when I was there working for a little bit, Vanuatu has like pretty much none. Um, psychiatrists and psychologists and all that, so that people, especially if experiencing women experiencing violence. Uh, or any sort of trauma people would need that can get some help. Yeah. What challenges do you do you expect in um, improving psychology care for diverse cultural background? I think the biggest challenge might be convincing some people that this is a problem that exists. Mm-hmm. Um there because the the communities of 
um, of minorities in the United States can be very insular. Um, yeah. And um, and in turn, they can be kind of invisible sometimes to uh, to the majority. Um, mm-hmm. It can be hard to, um, with the way that rhetoric around minority communities and um, in rhetoric around um, non-Americans mm-hmm. um, works, uh, it can, um, it's often spun that either like these communities don't exist or they're somehow a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that the biggest, the biggest challenge would be um, working through the incorrect notion that this isn't a problem um, or that this problem isn't worth addressing. Mm. Um, Yeah, there is definitely a lot of bias um, surrounding um, what issues deserve funding for research Mm. um, to start. Um, what issues deserve attention? Um, I mean, depending on um, even so much as um, like the city that you live in and the attitude towards things like diversity, inclusion, um, Mm -hmm. um, efforts towards equality um, can be, the attitudes towards that can be very harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, and there can be a lot of backlash, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, learning to navigate that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So is it, um, I guess a side question that mm-hmm. when you are going in to work with others, um, do you find obviously the majority would be the Polynesian community, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then the Micronesian community, and then you come in. And then you're like, I'm from Vanuatu. And does that it's does that feel like you're again, you're probably the only again minority within these two two groups because there's not many of us in mm-hmm. in the Pacific Northwest or South yeah, Pacific Northwest. And so how does that make you feel in in your work? Like you're talking about these challenges. Do you look at do you look at it from the approach of me being a Pacific Islander instead of like I'm Melanesian and you're Micronesia and you're Polynesia? So how does that like for you, what does that mean to you when you go in? Do you look at yourself as a Pacific Islander first? And then when they ask about your story or your background, then you tell your story to to the to, to the minority groups that you're working with, the Pacific Island community yeah I think that is my attitude that I come in um as a Pacific Islander and if they ask more about my story then I will say that yes I'm Melanesian mm-hmm. um and the the interesting thing that I found um with in in practice mm-hmm. is that um a lot of the times when the patient that I'm working with is also um, someone from a minority background, mm-hmm. like someone with brown skin, mm-hmm. um, or someone who who is non-American themselves, mm-hmm. um, or maybe their parents are. That 
the comfort level, the okay. ability to relax. Um, and as, and they can, they, there's a certain air about mm -hmm. that conversation where, um, there I've actually had patients say that, uh, that, oh, you're, you know what I, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, when I say certain things, when, or when I say that, um, that this thing with my family is important, mm -hmm. um, you know exactly what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, and so very often the, the solidarity is there, but there is definitely confu um, confusion around, um, about, around Mel like Melanesian. What is that? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> a lot, a lot of the times. Most um like uh, um like if the person is native Hawaiian um or I've I've had a couple of uh, patients who are um Samoan and they and they know mm -hmm. um but a lot of the times it's uh but you but you look African American and then we have to go through the spiel of yes but you see there are islands of people with very dark skin <laughs> in the Pacific Islands um and. That's a whole there'll be yeah, there'll be shock about the history of Mumbai too if you give them. <laughs> people from Panama. Um so yes, it's a very interesting thing. And I mm -hmm. think all of you um young, amazing uh diaspora kids, my kids included, um their fascination of that not just the complexity, but um the features and our languages, you know. And so I find that even myself, we have a very, very tiny little community of Pacific Islanders, but for instance, our Tongan friend, which I understand some of the things that he talks about in his language. And so those are the, you know, that Australian language that we all kind of share together. But then, when you, you know, I think that's another thing that, uh, I think as Pacific Islanders, we should make more effort to recognize that we are one people, you know, the ocean. Um, despite that, all the racial connotation to what Melanesia is, um, so that's a, also an, a, an aspect that I feel like we there's so much decolonization that we uh, in ourselves, the Pacific Islanders, have to do before we even get to the issue or trying to make sense to others who want to understand all of this, which we did not create in the first place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we have to try and explain it to everybody. So it's just additional work. Oh my goodness. So yeah, so that's a beautiful and frustrating way as well to approach in, in your field, particularly, because it's a lot to do with how you think and how you process and, and trying to listen at the same time, which is the heart of it all, and understanding where people are coming from. Um, so yeah, it can be frustrating, but I think it's worth the work that you're doing. And I guess my last question to you would be, how will you protect, uh, how will your poster presentation impact psychology care for minority groups, especially Pacific Islanders at the APC? ACBT conference that you just did. I mean, maybe give one or two examples that you felt that that presentation may have allowed for people to 
ask questions or thought about it differently than what they have perceived about this minority care for minority groups like the Pacific Islanders here in, in the US? Absolutely. Um, I got the chance to talk with so many people about um, about this poster, um, field a lot of questions. And um, I think one of the most, maybe two of the most interesting uh, conversations I had um, was about um, people not realizing that there's a lack of literature about Pacific mm -hmm. Islanders in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, not realizing that um, a lot of the research that we have um, about Pacific Islanders and psychology um, is old is outdated mm -hmm. um and is not detailed enough mm -hmm. um considering the vastness of history um and identities in the south pacific mm -hmm. um and i think that the uh, that one of the most the other most common uh mm -hmm. comment or question that i had was um about collectivism um and how explain that a lot of it because we collectivism and individualism is that is that what you had mentioned before so yeah. of course we know individual but so collectivism is that a term now for like a community yeah um the basic um just the basic um like the having a having a village of mm -hmm. um of people of mm -hmm. it just not not just being your immediate family, but also mm -hmm. like aunties and uncles and cousins. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and um, that concept's not necessarily being thought of uh, when it comes to client care um, mm -hmm. in American psychology practice, um, because uh, American culture is highly individualistic um, mm -hmm. and the way that a lot of clinicians, at least in my experience, are taught to um, deal with with clients' families and when surrounding confidentiality mm -hmm. um, doesn't honor collectivism mm -hmm. um, as a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. I this was one of the talking points that I had um, with uh, Dr. Jimmy Obed too. Um, one of this one of the things that we specifically talked about was that um with client confidentiality is obviously so important to care it's essential but um it doesn't it really work be... for us a specific calendar it mm -hmm. doesn't yes um and i i had this conversation with um with the doctor that i met at the at the conference i um i said to them um, confidentiality isn't isn't always a straight line. I mean, what are you going to do when someone's auntie who is concerned about um, a, your client who is like a kid that they care about? And um, I mean, we're taught to say that that I can't discuss this client. You know, this is this is a matter of their privacy, and a, this is a straight line. That absolutely not. Um, when in and so we can accidentally alienate um, Pacific Islander clients from their families because uh, of this. Yeah. It actually is scary. And I think that that's something that it 
And thinking about it as you were talking, it could elevate suicidal rate as well, because you're, I understand about the Privacy Act and all that, but but it's very offending to Pacific Islanders uh, cultures, because we do have cultural ways of dealing with it. It always has been there. And so when you bring that into the picture, you're saying this person is, is their own entity, and they're going to deal with that issue separately just between the doctor and the client. But then the person comes back to the house and you have to live living in a very closed community and family that we all care for each other. And it just doesn't, doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It, it really doesn't work. And I understand that because to me, it's so frustrating, like just, talking about this makes my blood boils because I can't see like having a child who's going through something. And I like, no, you can't, you, you don't have the privilege because this is, and to me, my first reaction is like, it's no, she's my daughter or she's my son or he's my son or niece or nephew. I have the right. Mm-hmm. It's part of my culture. I am the auntie. I have to take care of them. So yeah, it becomes a sticky a really sticky thing that, and I, I see that because during the COVID, there was a lot of issues that had to arise, arise, arise because of that, because grandparents or uh, nieces or nephews cannot, you know, share, you know, because the stress, mental stress, you know, that's something that just went off the roof during COVID, right? And so Pacific Island communities in the U.S., they are the ones that really of impact in in a huge way uh language is another barrier you know that's another issue that um i I was in a group where we discussed this and that's something that they talked a lot about Mm -hmm. a lot about that language and also cultural practices of like for instance uh in some pacific island uh cultures for instance the polynesian cultures uh you can't touch somebody's head you know so certain things that, you know, the practitioners here or clinicians here don't even realize that, that, you know, there's certain taboos mm-hmm. that, and so they won't go, mm-hmm. they won't refuse to go. Mm-hmm. It's so important for non-Islander clinicians to understand, to be taught mm-hmm. that this, that the importance of tradition of collectivist mm-hmm. practices of honoring um when something is taboo mm-hmm. um um that that isn't just you know that isn't nonsense that's something that's important mm-hmm. and um and necessary to um competent patient care and mm-hmm. not making matters worse for the person in the long yeah. run because not honoring those things can be incredibly stressful can absolutely make things worse um so yeah there's we have to start purposefully educating um training clinicians training medical practitioners psychologists what have you to um to look out for situations like that and not excuse it as oh I don't have to worry about that I'm their doctor you know what does that have to do with me but rather not like no this is an essential part of this person's care yeah that is that is so true um 
I remember when I was pregnant with my first child, we were living in Alaska and the doctor said, look, I have never had any patient from the Pacific Islands. And so he can only, from his experience of dealing with African patients from the continent of Africa, from different countries, and that's kind of his approach to how the client uh, patient, you know, uh, the patient and the doctor relationship that we were kind of going by. So I had to teach him. And so th this is our way of so-and-so, but he was very open and he was very thankful. And I think I was very thankful because he had served in the army or he was a army doctor. So that was something that he was able to realize really fast that, oh, okay. So he gets it, but yeah, it could be something that's uh it's complete blockage for the patient right away when they walk in and realize like, oh, or maybe not even want to get help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what would be your last uh, comment or anything that you'd like to encourage um, Pacific Island students or Nivanwatu students who are thinking about going into the field that you're doing? Like you said, there's not enough. And obviously here in the United States, but we are a global community now, you know, we're smaller than we thought we were, we are. Um, what would you like to tell them and what would be your message um, for them? I would say, I would say, um, that you should hold on to the belief that you have something unique to offer um, the, the field that you choose, um, whether it's academics or medicine or practice, your perspective is unique um, and wanted. Um, and every and every contribution that we as Pacific Islanders can give um benefits not just not just ourselves but also um the entire community of, of Melanesians all over the world of Pacific Islanders um because we are because we've, I mean as we've talked about mm -hmm. um in this in this conversation um we've often been thought of as um it's too like too small of a population mm -hmm. um so every time we use our voice we contradict that right. I, I think that that's really amazing mm -hmm. and i just like to add that you know the pacific in itself the melanesian countries are the ones with the much larger population mm -hmm. um so yes <laughs> it is time for us to not be afraid to contribute and we have so much to give you know, we have so much to give. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and the audience who are going to be uh, listening to uh, our uh, story of uh, today coming to the mat. And I'm sure that they will learn a lot from our discussion. And uh, I think if they have any question, um, anyone who's interested to learn more about your work as you progress into uh, your PhD program, how would they be able to 
um, reach you? I am, I think the most accessible way is through Facebook. Okay. Uh, yes, and just under Gabrielle Tor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much for a wonderful conversation. And uh, we you. hope to catch up with you again when see how your journey continues to grow and maybe talk about, you know, what life is after master's degree. Thank you so much for having me.
This podcast is created and produced by Melanesian Women Today, a non-profit organization. Please visit our website at www.melanesianwomentoday.org. That is all one word. Melanesian Women Today envisions a Pacific region where every woman, girl, and child in their respective communities in Melanesia lives a productive, healthy, and fulfilling life. We are on a mission to improve the well-being and quality of lives and also to promote and improve leadership in women and girls in their communities. Please consider making a donation today on our website to support our work. Thank you for your support.